Welcome back to podcast with Statsman and AJ Rotowire's Fantasy Hockey Show. Hello, friends. I'm Paul Bruno coming to you from a Canadian hockey hotbed in southern Ontario. And you can follow me at Statsman22. My partner is AJ Scholl. As always, a great follow at AJ Scholl's 24. And he's dressed for the occasion today while he's based in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. His heart's somewhere in Pennsylvania, I think. <laughs> and uh, he's very close, though, to Rotowire headquarters over in Wisconsin, as our headquarters there for the the organization is Friend Madison, a hotbed for all kinds of activity in the sports world, and all the big leagues follow use our services there. So we're just adding to it in the hockey mix. And as our our tradition has been in the hockey preseasons, we do four separate divisional previews. Today we're coming at you with the third one, and it centers around the Metropolitan Division, where we'll look at the line combinations up front, the defense pairings on the blue line, and the goaltending Tanus Reach team. And as I said, today's focus is the Metro Division. I want to give my partner a chance to talk about, uh, I guess he's going to talk a lot about Pittsburgh this this week. So I'll give him the opportunity to give you a bit of a teaser off the top. Yeah, I mean, I'll, uh, I won't get into the rosters, but uh, what a cool thing uh, the NHL did hosting that, that game in, in Halifax there, getting the Penguins uh, playing, uh, you know, in uh, – you know, as close as possible to Cole Harbor, where uh, Sidney Crosby's from. So kind of a cool thing. Uh, sounds like it was a really good good uh, atmosphere, good game and everything. So, yeah, it, uh, it was a fun little preseason uh, twist to the year. And I heard that he's, uh, his mother uh, was responsible for some of the best desserts that were concocted, banana bread topping the list. And that really got my attention because I love that stuff. And uh, maybe you can get a slice or two coming up this way. all right then let's get into the metropolitan division aj and we'll start off in alphabetical order why don't you kick us off with a look at the carolina hurricanes forward compliment yeah absolutely uh biggest you know kind of addition here is probably going to be on the top line at least projects that way and that's michael bunting who you've seen play a handful of games there uh 23 goals 23 assists last season for uh, your uh, Maple Leafs, he'll pair up with Sebastian Ajo and Seth Jarvis is kind of where we're projecting that. Ajo, 36 goals last season in 75 games. Uh, you add in those other seven games, I, I think he gets to 40. So definitely in contention for a 40-goal season. I think Jarvis could bump up to, to 20 possibly. Uh, and the nice part about Bunting is it lets him have Svechnikov on the second line with Kotkinemi and uh, Martin Nekash. Again, Nekis, uh, 28 goals for him right there at about the 30 mark. So could see some more production out of him. Jordan Martinhook, Jordan Stahl, and Tivo Teravainen on the third line. So really, I mean, you've got one kind of star player on, on each of these lines for Carolina. You've got Ajo, Sveshnikov, Teravainen, uh, not to knock any of the other players they're with. So it's a really deep top nine here uh, that, that will uh, definitely put up some numbers. And I think uh, it, it's going to be a hard one to beat, a hard one to match up against. I mean, when when Stahl, Teravainen, and Martinuk is your third line, you can make an argument there's teams in the league that would for sure be their second line. There might even be some teams in the league that would be the first line. So a really deep forward group, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so. But uh, let me let me go through it in my own way. Michael Bunting got to play with Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews on the top line, and that had an impact on his scoring totals. I don't think the duo of Aho and Jarvis is quite similar in that regard. So I could see a bit of a slight downturn for Michael Bunting this year in those numbers. Andrei Zvechnikov has had injury problems in the past. 
he was regarded as one of the top snipers before he got hurt. So he'll have to turn uh, turn things up a little bit. And uh, I think he could be capable of a 30-goal season. That's going to be directly linked, though, to Jesperi Kotkaniemi thriving in the two-hole at center. For me, that's a question mark, as I've long panned his uh, talents. And uh, he's going to have to, stop to t- step up to take that second-line center role and run with it to take the next step in his development. 43 I, points last year, Paul, and you still won't give the guy any credit. I know. You're so, trying to get season, but you just hate on him so much. You're, you're trying to get on, on Daniel DeGrano's good books because I think you're headed out to Las Vegas in the next little, little while. I see what you're doing there. <laughs> so I, I'm just saying that I, I need to see a, a growth in Kotkaniemi in that position, a new one for him on the depth chart. He'll be helped by Martin Nechkat and Svechnikov on the wings, though. I think it should be a potent unit, no question. And uh, yeah, Brendan Lemieux comes over from from uh, splitting the season with L.A. and Philadelphia last year. Uh, I think he can be a bit of a rabble-rouser on the third line if he's given a chance to be a disturber. I think that's the, the role that he would fit in more than anybody else in this club. They need a little bit of snarl in this lineup, and I think he could fit that role. On the blue line, A.J., this is a six-pack that I think is the best in the entire NHL. They've got veterans. they got quality offensive pieces. they got quality defensive pieces. And uh, I, I defy anybody to, to challenge that comment because I'll stand by it and defend it to, uh, to, to anybody. Uh, Jacob Slavin, maybe the best defensive defenseman on all of hockey, had 27 points on offense as well. Brent Burns, not done yet as a potent offensive piece if you base – Last year's 61 totals and 61 point total in 82 games. I think he's got another year in him at, at that level. Brady Shea, uh, surprisingly, if you would have told me, uh, reminded me, 18 goals last year from the defense. That's excellent for one guy. And uh, I'm not saying he's going to get 18 again this year, but there is that offensive punch that he can provide from the second pairing, partnered with Brett Pesci, who was another defensive minded defender uh, with. 20, 30 points to his uh, ledger in 82 games played. Not too many injury problems last year. They'd love to get that four-pack to play those that many games and pre, as productive. But look what they added, AJ, on the third pairing. Dmitry Orlov comes over from splitting the season with Washington and Boston. He had 66 games last year where he produced 36 points. I don't know if he's going to reach the 40-point plateau. He's going to miss reps on the special teams because of Brett Burns, I think, and maybe Brady Shea as well but still a very sound two-way defender. And then you got the enigmatic Tony D'Angelo, who's kind of burned bridges in a couple of previous stops, but uh, he is still a great offensive piece, producing 42 points in 70 games played. So a tremendous six-pack talent-wise. And I wonder if you agree with my assessment. Are they the best in the NHL? They're definitely the deepest uh, and, and probably the best in terms of all six Um yeah, it's, it's very hard to argue with that. I mean, D'Angelo is a known commodity for them. Uh, he, he played there, had 51 points in 64 games with them. I would even factor him on, on the power play. I, I think it's probably going to be D'Angelo and maybe Burns, uh, one of them on one, one on one on two. You know, maybe they put them together. But I would say those are the two guys I would expect to see the most of the the power play opportunities, but they could put them both out there. So then maybe Orloff gets, gets a smaller share with the number two group, but uh, it's going to be hard to, to compete with this. You're right, Paul. They're just offensively stacked with some really good shutdown guys. Uh, This is a a really good. uh, And yeah, I think arguably you could say the best six pack uh, in the NHL in terms of the net mining. We've got uh, your old buddy, Freddie Anderson. There's 34 games played last year. Bit of injury concerns there, but 21 wins. 
uh, 11 losses, uh, 248 was the goals against average. Anti Ranta is back, uh, 19, three and three in his 27 appearances, 2.23 was his goals against average. I think we'll see a pretty even share, uh, for these two fellas, you know, Ranta agreed to sign a one-year deal to come back for another season with them. Freddie Anderson signed a two-year deal. So they're pretty locked up and, you know, looking at the numbers, You've got these two guys are costing you what 4.9, yeah, 4.9 million against the cap. There's uh, several teams out there that are paying more than that for just their starter. So it really gives them a lot of roster flexibility. Yes, the concern is they're they're veterans, they're older guys, they're both 34 years of age, but we haven't seen yet a significant drop off. I think if one of them were to slip, uh, the other can step right in. So. As of now, I would project a pretty even share for these two guys. Yeah, and you mentioned the age of them and maybe the injury history. So it's worth noting the third guy on this hierarchy is Pyotr Kachekov. And for a part of the season last year, he actually manned a net to the point where he appeared in 24 contests with a 244 goals against average and a 909 save percentage. Clearly the goaltender of the future. And I like what you noted about the, the cap management for this club considering they're expected to be one of the top teams in the league they're well down the list in terms of salary cap commitments so they've done a great job in managing that aspect as well and giving some themselves some flexibility at the uh, trade deadline next next spring to further augment this team so uh, they're in great shape primed for another strong season here i think i wonder if we can say the same thing about columbus they had a bit of a an upsetting offseason with the whole Mike Babcock fiasco at the coaching level where he was supposed to be brought in to lead this club in the rebuild phase of their uh, process now, but he had some offseason issues and was uh, punted aside. And they've got uh, the second in command now uh, taking over the, the role of leader there. And uh, it I don't know how much it's going to disrupt the early going for this club, but I think it has to be a factor with the specter of Babcock uh, still looming over them, in my opinion. However, offensively, they have a pretty good look on the top line with Johnny Gaudreau uh, leading this club offensively. Last year, he had 74 points, a drop off, significant drop-off from his Calgary days, but I think he could approach the point-per-game pace now that he's a little bit more comfortable in his new digs. And uh, he'll be working with Boone Jenner at center, who had a pretty nice offensive year when you consider the 26 goals. They'd like to see more of a playmaking aspect in him. He, has, he only had 19 assists last year. Uh, new look on the right wing. They're expecting Kirill Markchenko to take a next step in his development. He had one of those Cy Young years, AJ. 21 goals and only four assists in 59 games played. They're looking for him to uh, fit in on that top line. Maybe he'll be the trigger man that Gaudreau looks for more than Jenner. Uh, so he's in a good spot there. Might be a guy poised for a breakout campaign. On the second unit, Adam Fantilli, a top draft pick, will get a plum assignment at center working alongside Patrick Laine, uh, definitely the trigger man on this unit. And Alexander Tessier is kind of a, uh, an unheralded guy that they put in the top six. Only 36 games played, 11 goals, nine helpers to his uh, ledger. So uh, there's a lot of upward mobility possible there. Kent Johnson, Jack Roslovic, and Liam Fudu make up the third line. I, I think that's a pretty good look because Roslovic has been a pretty good playmaker in his time in the NHL and had some top six minutes in his history as well. Liam Fudu, they're waiting for this guy to take a breakout uh, in his development, and I think he could be poised for a 20-goal season. He only played 62 last, games last year. So that's my quick look at the off offense here. I wonder if you have anything to add or comment on. 
Yeah, I think my biggest question with Tessier is, you know, what are we getting? Those, those numbers you mentioned are, are a year old. Um, he spent last season playing back in, in Switzerland uh, for Zurich. Good season there, 35 points in 46 games. I uh, was dealing with, you know, some off-ice uh, stuff, and so it's good to see him back. Uh, but what are you getting? Can How quickly does he readjust to the NHL speed? Uh, so that's a question. And it's going to be the same question for for Fantilli on that line as well. Um, you know, can he make the leap from college to, to pros? Third overall pick uh, in this year's draft. 30 goals in 36 games, adding in another 35 assists for the University of Michigan. So uh, a good addition uh, to their squad as well. So that there are some question marks about adjustment period for that second line. Um, but I don't really see anybody below them challenging too much for those spots. So um, it's kind of going to be, I think, a make or break for for those two guys. You know, maybe they would consider moving, uh, you know, Gaudreau down and Tessier up just to shuffle things around. But um, I don't see either of those guys really dropping out of the top six. On the blue line, a couple new additions and one uh, kind of addition uh, just by – uh, injury absence. Zach Wierenski will be back, is expected to be ready to go. He was limited to just 13 games last season, had eight points off to just a fantastic start to the year before undergoing uh, shoulder surgery during the season. They've got a new partner for him and Damon Severson comes over from New Jersey. Uh, definitely more of the shutdown guy, but still put up 33 points last year. Um, should be in the mix there to add a little bit of mustard, but mostly he'll be the defensive-minded uh, presence on that pairing. Ivan Provorov comes over from Philadelphia. He'll go with Andrew Peake. Uh, both more shut down Provorov, probably the offensive-minded uh, you know, one of the two. And then I think this is the year for Adam Boquist to, to step up. 46 games played last year, five goals, 19 assists. I think he could be in line for some power play minutes behind Wierinski. Uh, he'll have a solid pairing in, in Eric Branson. So, uh, yeah, your offensive pieces are re really Wierinski, uh, Provorov, and then hopefully for, for Blue Jackets fans out there, uh, Boquist takes that next step. Well, I have to add that I'm a fan of Dave Severson. He's run power plays before, so they have really four key offensive possibilities from the blue line, uh, something you wouldn't suspect when you consider that Columbus is not among the projected teams that will be at the top of this division. So don't sleep on that defense because there is some help in your fantasy possibilities with this blue line. Four viable options, in my opinion. And uh, look for a big return from Zach Wierenski to be the leader in that pack. In terms of the net minding, they got a boost with a pickup in the uh, last couple of weeks with Spencer Martin coming over from Vancouver. He's had a bit of a troubled pass, though, in the last year and a half. So I don't know what we're getting there, but uh, they hope that it's an improvement on the rest of the depth. But uh, the goaltending range will be clearly in the hands of Elvis Merzlikens. He had 30 games played, 7-18 and 18 was the record with two overtime losses as well. The goals against inflated at 423 and a save percentage that was underwater at 876. So you look for him to improve on those numbers significantly if uh, if the rest of this team takes a step forward. there, I think he will play upwards of 40 games for this club next year and should be in line for at least 20 wins along the way. Yeah, I think the question for me is uh, whether or not Aaron Dell makes the team he's on uh, a, a tryout right now. I'm guessing probably not, um, but we'll see. It's going to depend on what Tarasov does. Um, you know, Martin, as you said, could be a factor here, but 
I think their season comes down to pretty much make or break uh, with Elvis Merzlikens, at, at least from where I'm sitting. I'll take us over to the New Jersey Devils next. Uh, top line addition here is Tyler Toffoli comes over from Calgary, 34 goals, 39 assists last season. Just a fantastic year for the Flames. They've got him projected on the top line with Jack Hughes and Jasper Bratt. Should be a really solid group there. Timo Meyer, 40 goals last season, a fantastic uh, campaign for him. He signed his big money deal this offseason, uh, was a, a trade acquisition for New Jersey, signs an eight-year contract with the team, so he will be there for the foreseeable future. Him uh, going with Nico Heischer and Alexander Holtz. Um, I think you'll see some challenge for Holtz there. Andre Pilat could be in the mix. Another new guy, Thomas Nosek, comes over from Boston. He could even, I think, push for that spot as well. Um, Eric Hall will center that third line, should be capable of 35, 40 points from that position. Uh, Dawson Mercer had a real good kind of breakout uh, breakout season last year. 27 goals, 29 assists in 82 games played. Uh, really no sophomore slump for him. He had 42 points in his rookie year. Uh, another player that, you know, he could uh, push for, for that second line role, I think, absolutely. So there's a lot of talent um, on this forward group, and, and adding Tyler Toffoli has only made them better, I think. Yeah, I think that makes that top line very solid when you consider 73 points from Brat Hughes is a, almost a 100-point threat this year. Toffoli should be able to repeat what num the numbers that he came up with last year and add some bite to that line as well because uh, the other two guys are not known as very physical entities. Meyer will add that component on the second unit as well. Holtz is a very intriguing prospect. AJ, of course, not yet 20 years old, and he was there 2020 first rounder, seventh overall. So they're giving him an opportunity to to uh, solidify that second line. But you did mention that so they have some options. Mercer is a guy who might well wind up there. And if he does, he has a chance to repeat those numbers from last year, 56 points in 82 games. If he doesn't get the top six reps, those numbers will suffer. And uh, Nosa comes over from Boston to give them some, some more quality on the Fourth line, uh, 18 points in 66 games. Should be able to uh, threaten a 30-point mark, in my opinion, with more ice time and maybe an, a top nine roll if they shuffle things up a little bit. On the blue line, Luke Hughes, another Hughes in the, in the lineup here, was the first pick fourth overall in 2021 for this club. He's going to get a, a nice assignment alongside Dougie Hamilton, who figures to be among the league leaders in scoring from the blue line. He had 74 points last year, including 22 goals. So that's a very intriguing pairing. Kevin Ball with only six, eight points in 42 games, more of a defensive conscience on the blue line here. John Marino, maybe only a step above with 18 points in 64 games played. So neither one really a fantasy uh, darling, uh, I'll say. And uh, Jonas, Jonas Siegenthaler, 21 points in 80 games. And Colin Miller, who has a big shot but doesn't use it enough, 21 points in 79 games for Dallas, comes over to complete the six-pack. It's an underwhelming group here, AJ. And uh, for a team that is threatening the top of the division, I could see some some uh, efforts to augment this roster from the blue line when uh, as the season unfolds. So I'm, I'm, I'm not rating that six-pack very high. I wonder if you do. I, I think for me, the biggest question mark, you know, you've got Hughes and Hamilton together. Um, normally you and I are both of the same mind that you, we don't like putting our offensive pieces uh, on the same, same pairing here. 
But this might be one of those exceptions where, you know, you could put, uh, you know, you've got a 10 year age gap between the two. And I think it would really benefit Hughes to kind of be able to watch Hamilton play and learn from him on that on that sense. Um, but for me, I think I would, you know, maybe uh, Brendan Smith is still around veteran, you know, shutdown kind of defender, uh, 34 years of age. So maybe get him in there, put him with Hughes, possibly um, if you want that veteran you know, veteran kind of presence or even Colin Miller um, just to break up Hamilton and, and Hughes so that you have your offensive pieces on, on different lines. But I don't mind it in this case, just because you're trying to, you know, train up your, your up and comer there uh, between the pipes. It'll be Vitek Vanasek holding things down again, played 52 games last season. I would expect we'll see similar maybe could push for closer to that 60 mark. Uh, he's definitely somebody that would be in that mix. Career best goals against average this last year, 2.45. Uh, same with save percentage, 9-1-1. Uh, so some, some career numbers for him. And so I would expect, you know, maybe he takes on more. You've got Akira Schmidt and Nico Dawes uh, fighting for the backup role. Uh, but I, it'll be all, you know, as much as Vitek Vanasek can handle, I think they're going to give to him. Yeah, I think that's got to be the mindset, though. Akira Schmidt did show well in his 18 appearances, a 213 goals against and a 922 save percentage. They're going to experiment with these two, I think. And and I could see maybe a 55 to 20 and 27 kind of split, something like that for these two fellas. Uh, Kira Schmidt did show well, like, and that gives me confidence to think that he'll get a shot at more games than he played last year and maybe some of, take some of the pressure off Vanacek, who did come up with a career-best season for the club. Uh, I'm, I'm a little surprised, AJ, when we look at the New York Islanders, the depth chart here looks exactly the same as it was last year, and that's a bit of a surprise for a club that didn't really threaten for the top of this division. Uh, they didn't do much in the offseason to upgrade any key pieces. I, that's my take here before I get into the details. But we'll start with a look at the offense here and uh, a pretty credible top line with one tweak that we uh, I wasn't expecting. They've got Andrews Lee at left wing, uh, the captain of this club had 48 points last year in a full slate of games. Bo Horvat is locked in as the center on this unit coming over after a split season last year with Vancouver and Islanders compiled a career best 70 points in 79 games played, including 38 goals. I think he's going to be hard pressed to repeat those totals. In my opinion, the surprise here is they've got Matthew Barzal listed at right wing on this top unit. AJ, I don't quite understand that. Uh, maybe maybe they're going to go back and forth here with Horvat and Barzal kind of splitting the duties on this line. But Barzal hopes to get a complete season in. He only had 58 games played, produced 51 points. I think he's got to be the offensive catalyst here. And I, I th think I see him settling as a center here on this unit and moving Horvat to wing. Uh, on the second unit, they made a large commitment to Pierre Engvall in terms of long-term uh, salary and a contract for about six or seven years. He didn't break the bank. He was coming in around $3 million bucks, but did agree to a long-term deal here. So he's a fixture on the left side, 30 points in 76 games played. Brock Nelson continues to be a 
pretty good number two at center and more of a goal scorer than a playmaker, though he did almost have the same uh, points at each position, uh, each, each part of the game, rather. 36 goals, 39 assists, maybe his best output uh, in terms of feeding the puck. Cal Palmieri completes this group uh, with only 50 games played and 33 points on, on his uh, marks. I think those can go up this year. He should be able to threaten the 20-goal and 50-point plateau for this club. And from there, it takes a significant drop on the bottom six. AJ, I don't think there's too much fantasy value when you consider Hudson Fashing and Oliver Wallstrom on the wings. Neither one of them topped more than 10 goals, and uh, they didn't play a lot uh, uh, much of the season, but so you might say they're both 15 goal types. Jean Gabriel Peugeot, 40 points in 70 games played, a credible uh, option at the third center slot, I'll say. And then the fourth line comes back for another season intact. I don't think there's any team that's had the same continuity on the fourth line like the Islanders. It's going to be Matt Martin, Casey, Casey Zekas, and Cal Clutterbuck running around and hitting everything in sight again <laughs> for this club. So that might be the most compelling line just from the uh, activity factor in my opinion yeah i mean i agree with you paul I, I don't understand where this team is like what what is the end goal are they just assuming like if barzell had been healthy all season they would have made the playoffs like same with palmeria they're just kind of assuming yeah we just need to stay pat and have those guys stay stay healthy i i really far be it for me to question lou lamorello but this i like and you look at the roster and there's not really a ton of even like trade pieces, right? If they go down, um, most of their good players are signed for longer term years. You know, Brock Nelson still has two years left. Kyle Palmieri, same thing, two years left. So those are harder to trade assets. They don't have draft picks to trade. They don't have draft picks to build around either. So I, this feels like a club that like is caught in between rebuilding or trying to win now. And I think they're not doing either successfully, really. Um <laughs> That's just a general overview as you were going through the forward ranks that, that just came to mind. Um, and the fact that the defense is pretty much the same thing. There's really not a lot of offensive production here, period. I mean, Adam Pellich, 61 games played. So if he's healthy, maybe he gets a few more. He had uh, 20, uh, 23 points last season. Uh, Ryan Pollock had 26 same with Noah Dobson. I would expect more out of Dobson. Uh, he was a player I thought, you know, we're, uh, I'm sorry, Dobson's numbers are wrong. I'm looking at him. He had 49. So there's your offensive. Sorry, I knew there, somebody yeah. had to have. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Dobson had uh, 49 points. That just felt, 26 felt really weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Noah Dobson is like your one kind of, your one kind of guy here um, that'll get over 30 points. You know, like I said, maybe if Pelich plays a whole season, Alexander Romanoff had just 22 points. Scott Mayfield, uh, 24. Yeah, Sebastian Ajo, 23. So, yeah, it's just kind of a – they're more of a shutdown team. That's always how Lemerell has built teams to be defensively minded. Uh, so, really, grab Noah Dobson if you want. But other than that, I would kind of, from a fantasy standpoint, stay away from this uh, defensive group. Yeah, the only other name that I might suggest is Romanoff. He was highly touted out of junior and uh, very good physical presence. Uh, only two goals, though. Uh, I think there's more there. So if you want to take an absolute flyer, maybe in a dynasty league, that might be the way to target him. 
In the Nets, they have one of the better goaltenders in the NHL in terms of overall skill and presence, and that's Ilya Sorokin playing 62 games, one of only a handful of goalies to do that. Again, that's something that you want to key on in terms of preparation for your fantasy hockey uh, drafts uh, that should be ongoing right now. 31 wins, uh, not, not too bad. Six shutouts, very good among the lead leaders. And uh, the goals against... 234 and a save percentage 924. That's really what this team is built around is protecting him and giving him a chance to to thrive. And uh, they did that from the from the posture that they took last year. Uh, not quite good enough to be a factor uh, in the postseason, obviously, but maybe they're hoping that some of the other guys can stay healthy, like you said, and Sorokin can continue to deliver the goods as one of the top and most active goalies in the NHL. Semyon Varlamov is locked in as a credible backup here. So their goaltending is probably the strength of this team, AJ. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Yeah, absolutely agree. Agree with that for sure. Um, you know, Sorokin, I think by sheer, not that I'm not knocking him. I think he'll have a good year regardless, but by sheer volume, he should get over 30 wins just by playing enough games. So yeah, from a fantasy standpoint, it's hard to miss on him. You mentioned six shutouts led the league last year, so um, hard to pass on him, that's for sure. All right, this is the point in the show. We're going to step aside and let our, some sponsors do their work, and when we come back, we'll give you the, a look at the rest of the, the teams in this Metropolitan Division. You're listening to Puckcast with Statsman and AJ, featuring AJ Schultz and uh, a about a half-hour talk about the Pittsburgh com- Penguins coming up. <laughs> we'll be back after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. These messages. All right, we're back on podcast with Statsman and AJ. Please, partner, remind our listeners about the work of our friends at Underdog Fantasy. Yeah, Underdog Fantasy is the number one platform for best ball leagues, including fantasy hockey. Underdog's featured best ball tournament for the upcoming NHL season has $125,000 in total prizes. If you haven't tried Underdog yet, new Underdog users receive a first-time deposit bonus of up to $100, and perhaps more importantly, 
a free six-month subscription to Rotowire with promo code RWNFL. That's promo code RWNFL. Visit underdogfantasy.com or download the app today and use promo code RWNFL to claim your free Rotowire subscription and deposit bonus. Thank you, my friend. Now let's get back into the talk of the Metropolitan Division. I'll get us back into uh, the groove with New York Ranger outlook. Chris Kreider on the left wing. Uh, another one of those Cy Young type seasons I referenced earlier. 36 goals, 18 assists in 79 games played. Clearly the trigger man on that unit. Mika Zibanejad, though, can score with the best of them. He topped the 90-point mark in a full slate of 82 games. Alex Lafreniere is going to get another crack at a top-line role here. The former first overall pick had 39 points in 81 games played in uh, lesser opportunities, so he's going to get a regular turn, I think, to start the season here. Artemi Panarin, another signature offensive piece, is the feature guy on the second line with a total of 92 points in 82 games played. Uh, really a highlight real type player. And I got a kick out of seeing the new look here. He's shed the long locks and he's gone with the, he cut it pretty close to the wood there. When you look at <laughs> the preseason photo that was shared on social media, Philip Heedle is a guy that gets a chance to play second line center role here this season. The youngster had 45 points in 74 games played. They're looking for him to solidify that second group at center, but he'll get a lot of help with the recent acquisition of Blake Wheeler in the off season formerly from the Winnipeg Jets. This guy is a, a great leader in the locker room and should have another off, good offensive year. He had 51 points in 72 games played for the Jets. He should top those numbers with this opportunity and with the players that he's able to play with in the top six here and on the power play. From there, I like the look of the third line because Vinny Trocek drops down to take control of the center line role. A good, really good two-way player. Had 64 points last year. I don't think he's going to touch that because uh, of seeding the second line role to Heedle. So maybe you see a drop of about 10 points overall, but still very good quality at the center position. Barkley Goudreau, give them some physicality on that second group, uh, second uh, half of the lineup with 31 points in 82 games. Not a fantasy darling, but maybe Capo Caco could be. He's another guy who was a former high draft pick and getting the start on the third line, they're going to be bouncing this guy around, maybe shifting with Lafreniere if he doesn't come out of the gate sharply, or maybe even Wheeler seeds a position on that second line. So really good depth on the right wing. Kako hoping to do better than 40 points in 82 games played, certainly has the skill to do so, in my opinion. And from there, it's Jimmy VC, Nick Bonino, Tyler Pitlick, the, the latter two new additions from other locales who fill out the roster, but none of them are expected to factor into the top nine, in my opinion, AJ. Yeah, I think the the biggest question for me is where where Wheeler fits in, yeah. um, and and you know does it change on a week to week or game to game basis? Do they move him up and put him with Sabinajad and Kreider? Do they move him down to get you know if Trocheck is maybe slumping? Do they move Wheeler down to kind of get him going? Um, I, I think we are going to see, uh, for lack of a better term, a very angry Blake Wheeler. Uh, coming out this season, I, I think the way things ended in Winnipeg were uh, less less than stellar from from his perspective, and so I think you're going to see him coming out to prove that he's still got plenty in the tank and is and is ready to unleash some havoc uh, on the rest of the the NHL. So I expect a big year um, from from Blake Wheeler here. In terms of the blue line, look at all centers around uh, stops and starts with Adam Fox. 12 goals, 60 assists in 82 games last year. 
He pairs well with Ryan Lindgren. Uh, you've got kind of a pair of mid-range uh, fantasy producers in Keandre Miller had uh, 43 points last year. Jacob Truba had 30 himself. So both of these guys capable of, of getting forward. I don't mind, uh, you know, don't mind the pairing here. Uh, the question, you know, and for Miller, he does it really without power play opportunities. I think that's an undersold part of his game. Just three of his 43 points came with the man advantage here. Uh, you know, averaged about 30 seconds a, a game over the course of the whole season. So uh, a really good five on five point producer for them. Young player. They just signed uh, to kind of a, a two year bridge deal here. And then they bring in Eric Gustafson from Washington slash Toronto. Uh, he also put up decent numbers, 40, uh, 42 points last season. Uh, so there's a couple of guys. I mean, really, you could argue all four of those guys uh, I mentioned are capable of producing. Ryan Lindgren, if you're in like a really deep format, uh, could be a 20-point guy as well. He was limited to just 63 games last year. So the offensive upside coming out of this, uh, this defensive group is definitely there. Yeah, and that's why I would rate them just a maybe – a, a tad below Carolina, but definitely one of the top five groups at uh, the defense position. You mentioned Gustafson's 42 points. He's not going to get 42 points here. He's not going to get the power play time because that's going to go to uh, Fox primarily and maybe a Miller as a secondary option there, in my opinion. But boy, oh boy, they got some physicality. And if you your fantasy leagues count uh, hits in, in your stats, Miller, Truba, and Schneider. We haven't mentioned him. Braden Schneider, formerly a first-round draft pick. They're all going to be among the league leaders. So it's going to be a minefield in the New York Rangers end and in front of the goalies who should be really happy that they've got some of these guys standing in front of them to clear the way. And uh, the big beneficiary there, AJ, is Igor Shesterkin, a guy who's going to be a workhorse for this club uh, with 60 games played. He should be able to match the goals against of 238 and save percentage of 916. Jonathan Quick comes over from L.A. slash Vegas to play a lesser role here. He appeared in 41 contests. He's not going to get any, anywhere close to that unless a major injury comes Shisterkin's way. So that's my look at the defense and the, uh, the goaltending situation. A very, very solid outlook at both positions the way I see it. Yeah. I mean, having quick, um, you know, the numbers have dropped off. I was very high on him making the move to, um, to Vegas last season. Uh, it didn't really pan out as well as I thought it would. Um, so they are heavily going to rely on Shesterkin here uh, and and use quick sparingly. And maybe that helps. Maybe, you know, less minutes considering he's 37 years of age uh, helps helps with that team. From there, I'll take us into the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, they are adding some players again just by getting healthy here. Sean Couturier missed uh, – all of uh, all of last season didn't play any games uh, due to uh, a back injury. He's ready to go for a training camp. Has been uh, producing with them. He'll go on the top line with Travis Konechny, who also only played sixty games last season, and Joel Faraby. Faraby a really solid year: fifteen goals, twenty-four assists. Konechny thirty-one goals, thirty assists, despite uh, playing in those limited number of games. So. Uh, you know, over a point uh, point per game pace last season. I would expect to see him right on that same mark this year. Uh, second line, a little bit younger in Owen Tippett and, and Morgan Frost. And then the veteran Cam Atkinson, another 
player who's returning uh, from, you know, a long-term injury absence, again, missed all of last season uh, due to various neck triceps, a couple of different things. So they're going to see what they have uh, in those two veterans. If they still have something left after sitting out an entire year, you've got Scott Lawton, Noah Cates, and Tyson Forster on the third line. Forster, uh, more of an AHL player last year, had just eight games played, but put up seven points in those eight uh, NHL games. Those numbers are reflected in the minors with uh, Lehigh Valley, 20 goals, 28 assists in 68 games. So definitely has some offensive pedigree. Uh, That's why they took him 23rd overall in the 2020 draft. So um, this is a good, I I think a pretty good group in terms of what we've seen from them lately, but there are just so many question marks on Couturier and Atkinson. What are you getting out of them? Uh, Are they truly back to hundred percent? Are they the same player they used to be? Personally, more worried about Couturier uh, between the two. I mean, a back injury that feels like something he could easily re-aggravate um, or, or bother and find himself on the shelf again. So there's serious question marks in those two veterans. You know what? And and it's serious question marks with Couturier and Atkinson's injury re- return from injury, but they got career seasons out of Owen Tippett and Konechny, and I wonder if those guys can can reprodu- be producing at that level. They're, they got to hope that the two injured guys certainly fill things in on the top six and continue to bring the best out of the rest of the guys that make that six pack. Morgan Frost is another guy. They're hoping for a big step from him. 46 points in 81 games was a good step from last year. This guy's a former first round draft pick and uh, they're giving a top six opportunity here uh, to start the season. That's uh, a new high watermark for him. So the expectations are higher, but are they sound based on the injuries uh, returns from the, Couturier and Atkinson, that remains to be seen. On the blue line, Mark Stahl is the one of two new faces on the back end. He's getting up there in years, but he did manage to get a new contract after playing a full slate of games, 82, one of the better defensive defensemen around the league. And he's partnered with Travis Seinheim, who might be the best of a lot here in terms of offensive upside, but still only 23 points in 81 games leaves the thing a little bit lacking for me. Maybe the answer's on the second pairing with Rasmus Ristolainen, who has to have a big bounce back year after a dreadful campaign, I'll say, with only 20 points in 74 games played. He's a guy who's been a point producer on the blue line, and he should get an opportunity to at least be no worse than a second power power play type, uh, assuming they give the first role to Sandheim here. Cam York, Nick Sealer, neither one of those... uh, a threat to the offensive side of the puck, but pretty sound defensively. And they're getting the same thing from Sean Walker, they hope, who came over from L.A. after a 13-point season in 70 games played, but noted as a defensive defenseman with some quality there. So bolstering the blue line from the defensive standpoint seemed to be a priority here. And the idea is to protect what looks to be a shaky uh, complement in the goaltending. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about that? Uh, in terms of, of, yeah, Carter Hart, I think, going to be uh, kind of the key for them. And can he eventually, at some point, maybe turn the corner? Um, <laughs> I mean, that's really been the MO on him for his, you know, his five years uh, with the Flyers. Can he bring, you know, bring it around and, and really um, do something? Uh, I think his best season was back in 2019 had 24 wins in 43 games, 2.42 was the goals against average. 
He was still under three last year. Okay numbers when you consider the team around him. Played 55 games. Cal Pedersen uh, will serve at, as likely the, the number two here, although Felix Sanchez would also be in the mix. Uh, Pedersen played in just 10 games last year. Uh, after basically being, you know, exiled by the the Kings and, uh, you know, tossed aside for for other options there. So it's, uh, again, more more questions here for this team than than anything else. A look at Patterson's numbers in the minors last year is not super encouraging. 2.88 was the goals against average, but just 16 wins, 20 losses, four ties, 904 the save percentage. So it's it's not like he went down and, and really thrived and, you know, you're hoping for a bounce back year here. Uh, those numbers in the, the minors uh, still weren't great. Before I hand you the reins to the Pittsburgh situation, I'm going to have to say something about the general manager, AJ. You're getting the Leafs general manager of the last few seasons in, in control. And I'm well uh, looking forward to your commentary on what he did in the offseason. But here's a guy who in his last conference in Toronto said, if I don't re-sign here, I'm going to take time, some time off and spend it with my family. No more than a week later, he gets the top job in Pittsburgh. So a complete about face. And I don't know what that says about either situation. But uh, it left me with a very sour opinion of this this fellow uh, and his ouster in Toronto. But uh, he made some offseason moves of some note that you're going to get into, I'm sure. And uh, when it comes to the forward compliment, the way we laid it out here is the way they look right now with a key injury on the sideline. I'll get you to talk about that off the top. What's the situation with Jake Gensel? And then please take us through what the lineup looks like at the moment on the forward compliment for the Pens. I, I love the revisionist history coming out of Toronto. <laughs> like it's all Kyle Dubis's fault. He's the one that decided he was going to leave and went back on his word. Let's not forget that Brendan Shanahan was like, yep, we're good. Kyle Dubis is coming back. Then he does that press conference. And I don't think there was anything egregious said in that press conference. And suddenly Shanahan's like, nah, I need somebody else. I need somebody else. <laughs> so, the thing, th hold on. The thing was that Dubas asked for a raise the night before that conference, and Shanahan went apparently went to his home and said, "We're done here." So I've heard that... conflicting reports about who asked for a raise, when it was asked. <laughs> the so... whole Toronto, it just it amazes me. It amazes me how you guys just skew, just skew the news to always be positive. <laughs> There's let's, your let's, Entertainment Tonight segment for, for the show yeah. this week. Let's, oh, I'm, at, I'm not even saying you can't blame Dubas. Like, I get it. I understand. You're right there. But, like, let's not say Brendan Shanahan was faultless in this thing with this about <laughs> face. Like, don't put it all on Kyle Dubas here. All right. What did he do on the ice here for the club? He did a lot of really good things. Um, so we'll start off. Uh, I'll start off with that injury concern. Uh, everything just keeps indicating, you know, early on the ankle injury, uh, you know, they were talking about could miss the month of the season. Then that got, uh, you know, that was early August. About a few days later, Dubas said, you know, really they're looking at maybe just five games. Um, which is the first two weeks because they have kind of a light schedule the first two weeks. Mm -hmm. um, and I've even heard as lately as, um, you know, that it, it could be even less than that, that um, Gensel could actually be ready for, you know, maybe the start of the season or maybe he just misses that first week. So all things are going really well. 
Um, you know, we'll say this about Jake Enzo before we get into the lineup as it's built now. He will, without question, be on the left wing with Sidney Crosby. We all know where he'll fit into this lineup. And if he's only missing, even if he misses that five games, like there's no reason not to take him in your fantasy drafts. You you have a top goal scorer in his own right. I think he could do fine playing, uh, you know, with Lars Eller as his center. I, I think Genso gets lumped in as this like, He's only good because he plays with Crosby, and I really don't think that's the case. Um, but he's going to play with Crosby, and so even if that is true, uh, he will get his points. For now, it's going to be Ricard Raquel in that top left wing spot with Crosby in the center, Brian Rust on the other side. Uh, Riley Smith, the new acquisition, comes over uh, from the Stanley Cup champion, uh, Golden Knights. He'll pair with Evgeny Malkin, uh, and it looks like Alex Nylander going to get a long look uh, at least in that spot, very limited NHL action in, in his career. Uh, well, he actually played a lot of games a couple of years ago in Chicago. I, I forgot about that. 65 games played back in 2019, uh, 26 points that year, just nine this last season. And there's a couple year gap in there too, where he didn't really get any NHL action. So he's a bit of an unknown uh, in that top spot. I think once you get Gensel back, Nylander gets dropped uh, from the top six very quickly. You've got Matt Nieto comes over from San Jose slash Colorado. Uh, Lars Eller comes over from Washington slash Colorado to really revamp uh, the bottom six here. Jeff Carter, for all intents and purposes, I think he is done as a center. I don't anticipate, uh, even if there's an injury, I think they're going to avoid putting Carter in that center role moving forward and try him as a winger. Uh, and then some questions in the bottom here. Drew O'Connor, Noel Asari, Vinny Hinestroza is an option here as well. They just picked up Jansen Harkins off waivers. Uh, Redeem Zahorna has been having a really good camp as well. Um, so there's a couple guys that could factor in, but it look, it's going to live and die by the top six here. And uh, once you get Jake Gunsel back, uh, I don't see any changes in that. It'll be, you know, Smith, Malkin, and Raquel on one line. Uh, and and uh, Genso, Crosby, and Rust on the other, and and you won't have a lot of people challenging for any spots there. Yeah, the thing that I'll, the only thing I'll add is, can they expect? Well, certainly Crosby should be a point of game guy, but can they expect Malkin to stay at that level too? He's had a lit, litany of injuries, completed as all eighty-two games, both of them did last year, and uh, it might be a stretch to expect that aspect this season so it's the health of the top two centers really critical to this team up front on the blue line of course there's a monster size addition on the back end with the addition of eric carlson who had over 100 points last year won the norris trophy he'll be the linchpin uh, of the blue line alongside chris letang they really have a luxury of two po really potent power play quarterback types to log a bit over almost 50 minutes a game between them. So a real luxury there as the offensive catalyst, but I'm going to shut up uh, here. I want to give you every opportunity to talk more about the Pittsburgh six pack on the blue line. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously and understandably Carlson has gotten all the attention uh, rightfully. So as, as the big move there for bringing in the reigning Norris trophy uh, winner, for now, they're going to put him and Latang on the number one power play. Again, that will change as soon as Gensel's back. The question becomes, do you take Ricard Raquel off for Gensel or do you take Latang off? I, I think what you're not going to have happen is Eric Carlson is going to be on that top unit with, with Crosby, Melkin, Gensel, 
um, and then somebody else. It'll depend who they decide to go with there. Having said that, I think uh, kind of an under the radar move here was the signing of Ryan Graves, uh, just a really solid defender capable of about, you know, 25 to 30 points a year, does it all five on five, um, adds something that the Penguins haven't had much of in that size. He's 6'5", 220. Um, so just a big defender on the back end. I think he'll be a great partner for Chris Letang um, and, and really help out there. While I agreed with you that Carolina had the best six packs, I think you could maybe argue that uh, Pittsburgh might have one of the best four packs in the NHL. The question from there is, you know, Chad Ruedel, Pierre Oliver Joseph, uh, Mark Pissick was going to be in the mix here till he picked up a long-term injury. So who fits in in that bottom uh, that bottom pairing? There's a lot of questions in that. But for the top four here, uh, and in terms of power play production, it, it's hard to match what they have in, in Latang, Carlson, Marcus Pedersen, and Ryan Graves. Which takes us to the goaltending, and really the key to where I see uh, the, the answer will be, do they thrive or do they not? It's going to be predicated on the performance that Tristan Jari delivers for this club. 47 appearances last year. The goals against average was not spectacular at 290. Neither was the save percentage, just a shade over 90%. I'm sure you see both of those numbers improving. I just wonder, and I wonder if he can handle any kind of a bigger workload and how much of a threat is Alex Nedeljkovic who comes over from Detroit after some poor numbers there in only 15 appearances. And then they bring in Garrett Sparks. That's got to be comic relief for me because this guy was a complete joke in the Maple Leafs organization and he would <laughs> run out of town appropriately. So give me your sense for the goaltending trio here and what you expect primarily out of Tristan Jari. I mean, it's live and die by Jari at this point. Um, and that that was that was the choice they made when they signed him to that five-year deal. They're not paying outrageous money. It works out to just over five mil a year. Um, so it's not an outrageous signing, but they signed him for five years. That's a long, uh, longer commitment to a net miner who has had postseason struggles uh, and some ups and downs. So, yeah, it's going to be live and die by Jari. Uh, he played 58 games a season ago, just 47 last year. So health is a question mark. Um, but if he's healthy, I think he plays probably 55 to 60, somewhere in that range. Um, the question is, if is he healthy? And that's been a concern. Uh, Nedeljkovic, I think, is a good kind of backup plan. Um, but if he's playing, if Nedeljkovic plays more than, say, 25 games, I think something probably went wrong. Either Jari really dropped off or uh, he got hurt. Um, and, yeah, I don't love Garrett Sparks being our, like, AHL goalie who's going to, like, you know, be our emergency break glass in case of emergency <laughs> thing. Uh, there's, I, I would rather have some other options there. Um, they don't really have a ton in the system. They do have Mag, uh, Magnus Helberg uh, as an option. But it's, it's not great outside of Jari and Nedeljkovic. And finally, we come to the Washington Capitals and Alex Ovechkin continuing to chase on uh, the all-time goal-scoring record held by Wayne Gretzky. He's within striking distance, maybe not, certainly not this year, but maybe sometime next year if all goes well again and he gets another 40 this year. He's coming off a 42-goal season last year, AJ, with 33 helpers. That means 75 points in 73 games 
played, still a point-per-game threat. And he has the luxury of a healthier Nick Backstrom to back up Evgeny Kuznetsov at center. Kuznetsov will get the starting assignment on that top line and hope to do better than the 55 points he tallied in 81 games played. He's much better, much more talented than that. Maybe it'll be helped by having a healthier Tom Wilson on the right side. 33 games played for the one of the league's top enforcers who has a pretty good scoring touch. He had 13 goals and nine assists in those 33 games. And again, one of the league leaders in hits. So I think he should be drafted in, in most fantasy leagues as a guy with a 25 to 30 goal potential if he can stay healthy. The guy I like on the second line, as always, has been Anthony Manton. I just think there's a breakout coming for this guy. Only 27 points in 67 games played. He looks like a physically imposing specimen with great speed and a great shot. Hasn't seemed to put it together for some re one reason or another. I'm giving him one more crack at it this year. And I think Washington, Washington is as well, AJ, putting him on that second line. Dylan Strom had a breakout campaign at center. I was hoping the Leafs would make a play for him last year in the offseason. They didn't, and Washington did. And he came through with 65 points and another breakout campaign in the middle of the ice. TJ Osi, another guy who struggled with injury concerns in the past 35 points in 58 games. Again, the question is, can he stay healthy? If he does, he threatens the 30-goal mark, in my opinion. But that's a big if. Another guy with an offensive upside is on the third line. That's Sonny Milano. 33 points in 64 games played, only 11 goals. He's capable of much more if he's healthy and if he reaches the next stage in his potential. You're looking at 20, 20 goals, 50 points from this guy. And he should be able to get close to those numbers if he gets to play with Nick Backstrom, who is uh, currently listed as the third-line center. He, too, coming off injury concerns, only 39 games played and 21 points. If he stays healthy, he'll double both totals easily. And that's uh, another big if. So maybe you put a big IF next to this roster when you're preparing for the draft. And you might not want to take chances on too many of the guys. But I would have more faith in Anthony Mantha than any of the others to take the next step here. AJ, I don't know if you see any other value in this roster, but Max Pacioretty is also on the team. He'll miss at least the first few weeks, but he's been a, uh, he's, he should have red cross symbols on, on each side of his helmet because he's been so un, unlucky in terms of staying healthy. And it's a long road back from where he's been injury-wise. Yeah, I, I think I think if he gets healthy, he should be a factor. And I would not be shocked to see, um, you know, hypothetically, Pacioretty comes back, is playing well, Mantha's playing well. Maybe they look at trading Mantha to build out um, other parts of the lineup. He's in the last year of his deal, um, 29 years old, so not, you know, not – crazy in terms of that so if they decide they need to fill in other places perhaps um, I wouldn't be shocked to see them move Mantha to try and bolster the the lineup in other in other ways uh, if they have a healthy and available Max Pacioretty the only reason I suggest they might not be able to trade Pacioretty is he has that no movement clause something that Mantha does not um, so that makes Mantha obviously the the easier piece to move on the blue line, it's uh, Rasmus Sandin with John Carlson as your top pair. Obviously, Carlson will be your primary point producer here. Rasmus Sandin, a, uh, a friend of yours, Paul, from his time in Toronto. Really good numbers over the course of a combined season last year. Uh, 71 games played between Toronto and Washington. Seven goals, 28 assists. 
Uh, and those numbers are pretty much on par with John Carlson. The only difference is Carlson did those same numbers in only 40 games. So a healthy John Carlson will be the key to production on this blue line. He'll obviously anchor that number one power play unit. No question about it. Should rack up plenty of assists just feeding it to Alexander Ovechkin. You've got Martin Fairberry and Nick Jensen as the second group. Nick Jensen, I think, capable of producing around 30 points as well. Uh, and then, uh, you know, a bit of a drop-off from there in terms of, of other options. They do have Joel Edmondson, who's going to be out for a little while, um, four to six weeks after hand surgery. Not a huge offensive piece, but would add some shutdown ability um, and would challenge for a spot, I think, uh, once once healthy here. And then that uh, takes us to the goaltending, AJ. Uh, Nick uh, Darcy, Darcy Kemper is the goaltender who will take most of the role uh, up front with 57 games that he played in last year. He's going to be tasked with coming up with at least that many again because there's a drop-off to Charlie Lindgren, who had a brief flash of success early on, but then settled in to what he has always been, a guy whose goals against is north of three save percentage south of 90%. So Darcy Kemper, hard-pressed to come back and better the numbers he had last year, 287 goals against and a 90.8% save percentage. So uh, not one of the top goaltending tandems in this division by a long shot. And uh, they're behind that suspect defense that I see in Washington beyond the first pairing, I, I have some concerns here for, for the goaltending. Same. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> All right. Well, that succinct summary takes us to the end of our analysis of the team. All that's left teams. All that's left is the standings and a discussion of why, where we disagree and why, but uh, AJ, I'll let you lead us in. And I'm not shocked by what I see. <laughs> uh, look, I it's, it's probably tinged a little bit, but I honestly believe that if they get, uh, you know, NHL all-star caliber Tristan Jari. He's, uh, he's been an NHL all-star. Uh, I think Pittsburgh can win this division. I really do. They added uh, a much better bottom six. They add in Riley Smith. Uh, the fact that Gensel is not going to be gone long-term, possibly uh, one of the, you know, two Hall of Famers on the blue line easily. Both should be uh, locks for the Hall of Fame in Latang and Carlson. So I really do think Pittsburgh – uh, can win the division this year if they get the play they need out of Tristan Jari. So I'm going to take them number one because I would kick myself if they won the division and I didn't. Um, for me from there, it's Carolina number two. There's not a lot of deficiencies in this group. Um, you know, we, we talked about some injury concerns, but for the most part, this is a really solid team. I like New Jersey at number three. Uh, you know, again, uh, a few knocks here and there, but when you've got a guy like Dawson Mercer capable of stepping up, adding, I think they're in a good spot. I like the Rangers at number four, the net mining here, the blue line, adding Blake Wheeler, I think was a huge get for them. I almost put the Rangers at three ahead of New Jersey. Uh, I got Washington in five and, you know, it's, it's not a knock on Washington. I think they're a good team. It's just a really, really challenging metropolitan division. There's not a lot of, uh, you know, those first five teams are all really, really good. Uh, it drops off from me there. These next three could shuffle around in any sort of combination you wish. And that's Columbus. Uh, you know, the net mining concerns there uh, are, are a problem. The Islanders didn't do anything different. So they're basically the same team. And then I think the Flyers are still 
the bottom of this division. Um, but really that bottom three is, you know, switch them around, move them around. I don't think it really matters. Uh, none of those three, in, in my opinion, are playoff teams. Yeah, I would agree with that last assessment. I disagree with your first place pick, but I'll, <laughs> I'll give that to you because you're such a big fan. And, and you can make a case that a lot of things have to go well for Pittsburgh to get that uh, lofty rung. I said I, one thing. One thing has to go well. Jari has to play well. That's it. Well, That's I think I think the core players have to stay healthy. And I, I really have some concerns about that. And I don't know that you're going to get They both played all 82 games last year. Can they do it? Can they do it? Can they do it again? That's the big key. All you got to do is look at the back of your, any of your Malkin hockey cards. And it shows a lot of gaps in terms of games played in prior years is all I'm saying. And I don't think, Carlson's going to get 100 point season in. Uh, no, I wouldn't expect 100. I'll take <laughs> 80. <laughs> <laughs> so there we are. But uh, in terms of my prediction, I think Carolina might wind up with the president's trophy. I do have them at the top of this division, largely on the strength of that six pack on the blue line and some real quality depth at the forward position. Certainly, uh, the key there for me is does Kotkaniemi fit in as the second line center? I think he's going to have some success mostly because of the quality that's around him so that's the only concern i have but i think they st- they narrowly beat out the new york rangers for the sa- top spot the rangers i think are continuing their development they did a fantastic rebuild of this club uh, with some really good acquisitions along the way and some solid draft picks and i don't see a weakness on the ranger roster so they'll threaten carolina all season long from there i expect a bit of a drop off aj new jersey got some career years out of a couple of players including their goalie and i don't know that they can repeat that and i don't trust the quality and the depth of their blue line. So I think that they are in a different tier from the first two teams in this division. And I think they will be battling Pittsburgh for third and fourth spots in this division. I might interchange the two, depending the key there, as I said, is Pittsburgh's the aging vets can stay healthy and Jerry delivers the goods. They will beat out the devils for third in this division. I have them fourth right now. Then there's a big drop off the rest of the way. Washington with another aging core and some, a lot of injury concerns uh, in terms of players who were limited last year. How much more are they going to get out of them? And uh, as I said, they're an aging core like the Pens, but not with the same quality around them as that Penguins roster. So a drop-off from fourth to fifth. And then six, seven, and eight are a further drop-off. Philadelphia is really relying on two guys who missed the entire year last year to boost their fortunes. I don't know how much you can expect in terms of an improvement based on Uh, that situation, that cloudy situation there. And then the Islanders, I'm sorry. I'm a big fan of Lou Lamorello, but maybe his best years are behind him as as a general manager. If he chose to stand pat here, you and I couldn't come up with a reason why. And uh, they were a non-playoff team last year. They're going to be a non-playoff team again. And Columbus, I feel sorry for this group, AJ, because they were dealt a bad hand in the offseason. They've got to overcome that as well as try to compete in the regular season with a roster that's got plenty of question marks from the blue line into the net. And uh, so I think they're going to finish last in this group. But uh, it's great that we have some discrepancies here, too, like we did last week, because we kind of were in sync on the first one uh, division preview that we did. I wonder where we're going to be with the Atlantic preview next week. I can tell you. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing your picks for that group, but 
Don't give anything away Leafs, now. Last in the division. There you go. Last in the division, Leafs. <laughs> well, I'm going to give you a chance to say your final thoughts. We're a week away from the start of the regular season, and uh, I love the outfit today. If you can't, can see him on YouTube. He's sporting the Pittsburgh colors, so I know you're fired up, and so am I. The exhibition games are winding down, and the serious shooting will start the day that we come convene next on the 10th of October. Yeah, looking forward to it. We'll get that last uh, that last preview in just under the wire there, and uh, we'll we'll roll from there. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's exciting to have it at least on. Games don't really matter, but you know you get to see your guys out there. Really, for me, I find this year time of year like I'm excited, I'm ready to go, but I'm also like, ah, oh, crap, who's gonna like get hurt for a year and mess up my fantasy team like in a stupid preseason game? Like that's. I, I makes me nervous. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people share that concern. I'm getting ready for my Champions League draft uh, next week and uh, might report back on how the roster looks if uh, it goes according to Hoyle and the time doesn't get shifted. But in the meantime, we thank you for listening to Roadwire's podcast with Statsman and AJ. Please note that our next episode will come your way with the fourth and final division preview as we look at the Atlantic division. I'll have a little bit to say about the blue and white, and maybe AJ will too. That'll be fun. As always, remind you that we're here to assist you with all your uh, efforts to get your enjoyment out of fantasy hockey and prepare for your league drafts. So we encourage you to send comments or questions on Twitter, where you can follow me, Paul Bruno at Statsman22. You can follow AJ at AJScholes24. Thanks a lot for listening. So long, everybody.